Welcome to Mind Body Stuff. <laughs> um, what is this? Our 16th episode now, I think? It's a lot. It's a lot. We got a lot, lot more. We got a lot of things to we talk about. We have so much. We got a lot to talk about. We got a list of stuff to talk about. Watch out. Watch world. out. <laughs> We're not going to solve any problems. We're just going to talk a lot. <laughs> Um, anyways, hopefully you guys enjoyed last week's podcast on balance. Um, such cool discussions that came after this one. Um, I think one of the most interesting questions that came from a couple of you is how do we even know what balance looks and feels like? <laughs> like, how do you even know if you're in balance? Maybe it's just a feeling. A feeling of what? What does it feel like? I think you feel like you're in harmony. Yeah. Like things feel balanced. You know, like <laughs> when you feel imbalanced, kind of like if you're on a tightrope and you're like, whoa, and then you're like, I might fall off. That doesn't feel so good. But I bet when you're on the tightrope and you're totally imbalanced, it just feels totally easy. synchronistic so and easy. And yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, of course, as I always do, I brought this question into my, um, into my ULA experience. And I was just, I was talking about it in ULA 1 on Thursday, and I brought in the four elements. And as maybe some of you know, if you are in our ULA community on Facebook, I've gotten into um, astrology quite a bit lately. And one of the women that I'm um, interested in, and now I'm actually doing an online course from, she talks about, um, it's called the missing element. And so she basically is saying that a lot of us have... Um, a lot of us has, have imbalances in our elements. So we should all have, um, we should all have, and this is kind of going into astrology, so I'm going to make it very simple, but different planets um, in different elements. And so there's 10 planets, and um, you want like between two and four planets in each element. Mm-hmm. Now, some people will have like six planets in one element and that means they've got an imbalance it's probably there. me <laughs> so you may you, you might have like eight planets in fire yeah you may you know and i actually have the um i have the the program now where i can look up your chart and we can see and it'll oh. tell us how many planets um, are tell in. Us. but this is this is normal it's normal for people to just kind of naturally be inclined towards certain elements but we ultimately do want to have this balance but anyways we can't really change where and when we were born and and where the planets were at that time but what we can do is take a look into our own lives and how can we find that balance um within within ourselves and so i I just brought it back to ula one since ula one the entire playlist is based upon the elements and like letting yourself really feel grounded and safe and secure and centered. That's the earth element when we start. And then letting yourself experience the movement and the ebb and the flow and the emotions that may come up and allowing yourself to cry or and sweat and, um, and, and really tap into that water element. And then we move into the fire and that's the intensity. There's a lot of core work. You're, you're, you're feeling physical discomfort and you're pushing through, you're walking through the fire and then ultimately, um, getting to the air, the heart, the breathing, the, the, the calmness. And I think one of the reasons that we do walk away from an ULA one class feeling balanced Mm -hmm. is because of this we're we're balancing these different elements in nature and 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 coming back to that place of harmony both in the body and outside of the body so internally and then externally with our relationships our habits our 
or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just thought, oh, that's that's maybe one way that we can we can seek it, yes. an internal way an to seek it. An internal way that, to seek now, it. Now that's not necessarily going to create balance in your schedule or balance in your relationships. But we if we if we start at home and do the work at home. I find that to be a really useful tool to at least feel balanced internally. Yeah, and I think I think that helps you then feel balanced externally. Yes. You know, where you can then be like, okay, now I can look at my schedule. Because I feel safe. Or like, I can make decisions. And I'm maybe okay letting go of my ego part. Right. Or I'm okay sitting still for a little while. Or right. I'm okay being busy for a little while. Whatever our imbalance yes. is off that way. Totally. I think that that's a really... Because I know after I finish Ula One, I do feel very like grounded and uh-huh. centered. And I feel like I do have energy to kind of focus on then the external things in yeah. my life. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it is kind of an elusive thing this balance though so I just I really loved the questions and the discussions that came up Mm -hmm. it was pretty fascinating it was pretty great um we've had a request for this week's um podcast and in light of the um the suicides that we talked about last week um Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain and I think just the um this this topic of mental illness is is really coming to the surface in in our culture right now and in our our society um and so we have had a request to talk about um mental illness and so i'm the first to admit that i am absolutely not an expert on this um you're closer to it but but i would say i'm not an expert (laughs) either because it's such a broad field so i think we're both coming at it as just Curious women that are curious about it and mm-hmm. opening up the discussion for all of us to kind of talk about it and and process it. Yes. You know, in some mm-hmm. way. So mm-hmm. I think it's we have to start the dialogue. Maybe that's what these recent suicides have taught us. Yeah. And, you know, we, we well, always should have been having the dialogue, but we often forget and are then reminded like, oh, we got to remember this. Mm-hmm. This is big stuff. Yeah, and I think the first and and most important piece of this is removing the stigma. Yes. Like, I think no matter what, like, that needs to, that needs to be changed. Nobody should feel ashamed or embarrassed or, or afraid to talk about the fact that they don't, they don't feel good. Mm Mm-hmm. They don't feel well mentally. Yes. And we, this was a great, um discussion Kaylee and I had yesterday oh yeah because I'm like I don't know I don't know if I can talk like I'm not an, I have no idea yeah you're like well what is mental illness and I was like well how do you know if you're depressed or if you're in a phase of darkness mm-hmm. how do you know the difference and B I think you you brought up some really interesting points for me so will you just kind of talk about what you said well yeah I think first off after we had this discussion you know, I got triggered about like, well, what is mental illness? You know, like, <laughs> you know, cause it's, of course I'm like, she's mentally ill or, you know, I'll say, I'll use the term very, very loosely. Oh, uh-huh. and then I just realized, but do we say physical illness? You know, when we refer to right. someone, it's not like, well, I've got a physical illness. Totally. Do you have a mental illness, Kaylee? You know, right. because right. when you think of it in terms of a physical illness, that's such a broad topic. I have a physical illness. I'm like, well, what is it? Right. You know, is it a broken arm? Or is it the flu? Right. Is it a sinus infection? A toothache? Is it cancer? Is it lupus? Right. Right? It could be, it's just, it's just huge. And I think it's the same in mental illness too. Uh-huh. It's just such a huge topic. And of course, 
There's mental illness where it's like, I don't feel good today. I don't know why. There's mental illness like, um, my dog died and I don't feel well mentally right now. Mm -hmm. I'm having a hard time processing it. But is that mentally or emotionally? Because that feels different to me. Well, I think in in Western uh, semantics, we tend to lump emotion into mental. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Because me personally, I consider those different. Yes. Yeah. And that's why it's like physical illness. Like, so if you say you have a sinus infection, I'm like, well, that's very different than lupus. Right. To me. Right. But obviously... What does does specifying it... um, what is the purpose of specific, like, so when you say this, is it like we should be more specific when we say mental illness or? Maybe we should just be more aware of, of mental illness and the degree to which it exists for some of us. Oh, okay. Okay. So what you're saying. don't you think like sometimes, yeah, you know, I could be sad because my dog died and that is a big deal. Uh huh. You know? But would you classify that under the massive umbrella of mental illness? I wouldn't. I would say it's a situation, situational. Uh huh. So of course it's going to take you some time. So situational depression or situational? situational just you were some the situation happened and you feel sad now. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say two years from now you're still like I'm still processing mm-hmm. the death of Roger, my dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you're not, maybe you're not functioning, you're not doing well at work or, you know, it's being, it's impairing other avenues of your life. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. I would be like, Hmm, that's kind of a, you know, that's interesting that that's still, that's still kind of in your way mm-hmm. of, um, of just having, you know, having a normal life, whatever that is, healthy holy, functioning. having a healthy functioning life. Yeah. Um, I looked up on the, um, American psychiatric Sight, because I'm like, what is mental illness? Yeah, and they have mental illnesses are health conditions involving changes in thinking, emotion, or behavior, or a combination of these. Okay, mental illnesses are associated with distress and/or problems functioning in social, work, or family activities. Okay, mental illness is common in a given year. Nearly one in five U.S. adults experience some form of mental illness. Mm-hmm. One in 24 has a serious mental illness. And one in 12 has a substance use disorder. Okay. Um, and then they go on to say mental illness is treatable. Do Are they saying... So, and then as far as treatable, like... Um... Like yesterday, you were talking to me about like it could be it could be drugs or it could be talk therapy or it could be it could you know. be dance. But 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 I guess for me, what's the difference between like a mental illness where there is literally a chemical imbalance in your brain? Correct, it, it, the the imbalance exists in your brain. Mm-hmm. Chemical imbalance imbalance in your brain where no matter what you try, you yes. try everything that you can I and change you're, my you're diet. Just, yeah, you you you. You've done a bunch of healthy things. Right. You volunteer on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get enough fresh air. You eat healthy. You have healthy relationships. And you just still don't feel right. Isn't, like, that to me, when it when it requires, um, when there is an actual chemical imbalance in the brain, you need medicine to help get 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 you balanced. Yeah. Again, right? Right, right. And right. I think there's nothing to be ashamed about if you have to be on antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds or or mood stabilizers yeah 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 well I mean any of that stuff I'll give some I'll give a good example of this so my father when he hit his 40s um got to a point where he wouldn't get out of bed 
Okay. And he was a totally happy, pretty happy individual, okay. successful, nothing going wrong in his life, one would say. If we look at the situation, happy in his life, he's happily married, he has two daughters, he's doing real good. Job is great. And one day he says to my mom, I just can't get out of bed. Uh -huh. I don't want to. And this happens for six months. He stays in his bed. He doesn't want to work. He doesn't want to do anything. So, of course, now everything's being impaired. Mm -hmm. His relationship is impaired. His work life is impaired. His personal relationships with his friends are impaired. Mm -hmm. And so they start talk therapy. They start doing, like, vitamin B12 shots mm -hmm. in his yeah. blood. Yeah. And then finally they're like, let's start you on an antidepressant. Yes. And he started the antidepressant. And within probably a week or two, he was like, I can go to work because mm -hmm. he had an imbalance in his brain. Mm -hmm. um, and he stayed on that antidepressant for the rest of his life. Okay. He tried yeah. to stop a few times and it, and and it, it would come back. Him. And so then, and that's the test too. I have clients where I'm like, maybe stop because yeah. they'll say, I want to stop. I'm like, go ahead, stop, try uh -huh. it. And they'll be weaned off by, mm -hmm. by a medical physician. But then if they come back and they're like, I, I don't feel good still. You know, it's mm -hmm. just, it came back. I'm like, well, then mm -hmm. at least you know. Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, it, and for me, I, I am coming at this from a perspective of not having had a, a, a chemical imbalance that needed to be treated with medication. I have been in times of, of deep darkness that I felt, I mean, definitely quote unquote depressed, mm -hmm. but maybe not chemically imbalanced. And I, I can, I can... I don't. I can't guarantee this because I never try it. But I don't think um, antidepressants would have taken the pain away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because I think what I was suffering from was a period in my life of darkness. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm, I'm. I'm wondering if we can talk about the difference between like depression and just like darkness. Because what you said to me yesterday is is you said something like, well. Think about it in, in these terms. If there is an, an event that you can identify, mm -hmm. then maybe it could just be a time of darkness where something really you know, sad or hard has happened and, and you need to kind of give yourself time to go through that process and grieve or, or whatever you need to do. But you said that sometimes with, with depression, you could be like, man, I have a fantastic job. Like I have a healthy and happy marriage. Like I, I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't... I don't know, I just don't know why I can't be happy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that made a lot of sense to me. Like, is there an event right. that happened that you are healing from or that you've, you have trauma from? Mm -hmm. Or is it just kind of like, man, like maybe like your dad, one day he's just like, I can't get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Nothing is necessarily wrong. Nothing happened. Mm -mm. But I just, I, I can't, I can't get out of bed now. Right. And, and if you were, and if you were working with you or him, like we, the first thing would be to be curious about an event. Yeah. Like, yeah. did anything really interesting. happen recently? Now, a lot of times clients will be like, nothing happened. No, oh. I feel fine. Uh -huh. But then you'll work with them a little bit longer and they'll be like, Actually, my mom died six months ago. It's uh -huh. like, oh, that's kind of a big piece uh -huh. to know uh -huh. to, in terms of how we're going to treat and how we want to work with this, mm -hmm. you know, versus someone like my dad who did had no precipitating event whatsoever. And right. many times as individuals, we forget about the precipitating events for whatever reason. Well, I think it's like, it's just a way to naturally protect ourselves. Yeah. To not be thinking about the trauma every right. single day. I don't know. I don't know you what know, it was. You, you probably have to just kind of 
you have to kind of drum Push it up. It. Yeah, right. you got to bring it back. And they're like, don't don't drum it up. Don't drum it up. I, I don't want to drum it up. I don't want to think about this right. anymore. Yeah. Sure, sure. And do you feel like, um, and maybe, again, you guys, I, I, I just really hope that I don't say anything that feels offensive, offensive to anyone who is on medication or does um, does have any any type of mental illness. I am just purely curious about this this topic right now. But like, um, do you think that uh, do you think that um, drugs are prescribed too frequently or or not not frequent enough or I don't you know it's hard for me to say in terms of because I know with my dad it saved his life. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think for other people it doesn't always work. I know I know a woman and, and her her grandpa committed suicide, her dad um, was suicidal and she just knew that she was going to be on antidepressants for the rest. She just, she had to. Mm-hmm. And there's no amount of personal work that she could do that would change that fact. Right. Now, I don't know if in some cases, if, if you know, doctors are quick to just um, give you a pill to kind of numb it out. Because one of the things that you guys know about me is I, I am I'm interested in exploring the pain. Mm-hmm. But, but, again, that's not always going to be uh, beneficial. beneficial. Right, especially. It may not help. It may not help to process what, I, you know, or even if there's nothing really uh, tragic that happened, then then you know it's it's kind of like well you can get out of this you don't have to keep digging around right it has like, like, like oh, I don't know. Just, let's get you better let's i've dug deep and there's nothing you there better yeah that's right it's like that's okay you've been digging a long time <laughs> yeah, buddy exactly yeah that's exactly. right i want to read this piece um i posted on my facebook page it's an article written um oh yeah 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 and yeah, it reads it. by steve saffron uh-huh and it says depression isn't sadness and suicide isn't a cry for help but he has this great analogy that I think really yeah. spoke to people for people talking about people that are clinically depressed. Yeah. Okay. So he says, suppose you're born left-handed in this predominantly right-handed world. Suppose that was considered okay from time to time, but generally not an excuse to use your dominant hand. Righties would say, why are you using your left hand? Your right hand works perfectly well. Or I had a cousin who was left-handed, but with a lot of work, he forced himself to use his right hand. Totally. Or why not just use your right hand? You wouldn't need the special scissors. But I'm still a lefty. You'd say I'd like you. I'd like to be a righty, but everything comes out all wobbly, and it's so uncomfortable. Can't you just understand? I'm part of the ten percent of the population that is left-handed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's so like, yeah. because for, for those of us, some of us, those of us that suffer from clinical depression, you know, yeah, you can tell me to do a bunch of stuff. Totally. And I will try and do it. Mm-hmm. I will volunteer. I will get active. I will get physical. Mm-hmm. I will change my diet. All those things. Yeah. And I will still dread waking up in the yes. morning. Yeah. I will dread it. Yeah. I will have great relationships, great friends, mm-hmm. great partner. And I will dread yeah. waking up that and next day. There should be day. no shame in just it just needing to take medication that will help your 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 chemistry be balanced. Exactly. And for those of us, like I love today, one of our participants posted about her battle with her um, mental illness. It's uh-huh. a long long term battle, and how she posted this great picture and she said, "Here I here I am." And she, the picture was just these really sad eyes. Yes. And she said, I, and she just, it was a great photo. And it kind of captured her, you know, deep 
sadness or deep depression and she's so thankful that she feels better now Mm -hmm. but I think it's good for all of us to share that story if we're dealing with deep with clinical depression or clinical anxiety or any of the other mental illnesses Mm -hmm. to not have stigmas to be able to talk about it to bring it into the light Mm -hmm. to make sure we normalize it so that if we if those of us are feeling like we can't make this next day we see someone's story and they're like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, you know, at least it keeps me here one more day, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But yeah. with the stigma, it's so hard for us to talk about. Why is there such a stigma? And we're so okay with like, yeah. I have lupus. Oh my gosh, people are so quick to medicate and, physical stuff. Yeah. Constantly medicate oh, physical yeah. stuff. Oh yeah. No, I do. I'm always like, can I have an antibiotic? <laughs> you, love, <laughs> you love those antibiotics. But yeah, so where do you think this came from I don't know I mean it must seem like we're weak or something like you must be a weak part of the herd but it's so interesting because it's like why why wouldn't we why wouldn't that cross over to physical stuff too physical stuff is so um well actually not always is but some usually it's visible in some way like oh yeah my you know usually like high blood pressure or you know think about how many Americans yeah. have prescription drugs it's like a crazy 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 oh my thing God, for all their physical illnesses or bad kidneys or um, I mean a lot of things you can't see so I don't know why I don't know like, but it, where did the stigma come from I don't know it's definitely not I mean maybe you guys know maybe someone has a great idea out there or has studied it more but there obviously is a stigma and I think yeah, we're getting yes. past it I hope we're getting past it. I mean, some of us talk about it a lot. Yeah, and I do think that, like, this awareness, um, like, just with these, I mean, two very, very loved, very loved people um, committing suicide last week, I think it's it has felt a little bit like a wake-up call. Yes, and we make the mistake sometimes with certain mental illness that we think, well... You know, successful people don't feel that. Yeah, because, but again, it's like exactly what you said. It's like when you look at the person and you're like, well, you have all of these boxes checked as to what we consider a happy life. So why can't you just be happy? Well, because it's it's an imbalance. Right. There's still, it's like, it's almost it's like. not anything that you can do or can't do. You can be as successful. You can be as loved. You can be uh, whatever. Uh, but it's if you have if you have a, an imbalance, yes. Then you're you can't. I don't know. It's, you're not going to find the joy, or or it stops us from reaching out. Sometimes you know, just eats us up. It tells us things. You know, don't reach out. You're worthless. Uh-huh. You know, it's always that voice, that depression or that anxiety is a voice and the mm-hmm. sort of sitting on our shoulder. I haven't had. Um, I wouldn't like I said. I, I mean, I went through a really dark period but I think that was just that was obviously situational um but I've gone through serious anxiety and I guess the way that I would describe the anxiety that I felt was it was a um cyclical pattern of thought that once I entered mm. into the pattern of thought it was like I was on a bicycle mm, like and a I treadmill. couldn't get that like a stick in the spoke to stop it and I, I I would feel it when it happened and I'd say oh god here we go. Yeah. I'm I, I I can't get out of this spinning cycle of thoughts. It's like that brain like, loop. Just the brain loop. Mm-hmm. And and I mean I tried so I mean I, I tried a ton of things and eventually like I've gotten I've gotten it more under control. 
Um, but man, the way that it made my entire body feel just so tense and just, I can feel the, the feeling in my gut, mm-hmm. just like kind of remembering that, that anxiety. Mm-hmm. And how cool when you said you would suddenly, you would notice like, you know. oh, this thought, this, this cycle of thought is starting mm-hmm. now. Oh yeah. And now I'm going to get stuck in it for a little, for yeah, a Yeah. And then I'm like, ah, oh, here we go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's interesting how the brain is doing that, right? Versus you even logically telling it, now you need to stop. To be honest, like, ULA really helped because I, um, I would notice, like, I would say it was, like, between five and seven years ago that I had pretty bad anxiety. And ULA was one of the only places that I could really get it to shut down, um, for a while, for an hour, Mm -hmm. every day. And I just remember, like, at the end of every class being like... I just, I needed a break from those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like I needed to stop that pattern of thought, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then it would, it would eventually kind of creep back into my thoughts, but, um, finding, but again, see, and it's, so then this is where I'm confused, I guess, in myself. It's like, I never took anti-anxiety medication. Maybe I could have, and it would have stopped it, but then I had to turn to like, meditation I had to get out in nature and I had to find a tool so does that mean I didn't really have anxiety because I no, you did probably personal, did have anxiety like, but you you did have anxiety and of course it's, it's all different levels you yeah. know for any of us anxiety a chemical Im- imbalance because if I could figure out how to stop it without treating it medically then then was was it? Of course, you can you can train your brain. You know, there's all those research studies now that they're figuring out with placebo stuff, sure. and um, where it's they all very confusing. It, well, it, and it is confusing because it does. It's it's you know it doesn't really. It's not something totally logical. Like, yeah. well, and this happens, and then I give it A or this, and then yeah. I give it B. And like, what my cycle of thought was was totally like irrational. Yes, and it was it was like a worry of something that I wasn't even. Uh, it wasn't even necessarily going to happen. Right, right. You know, it's just this, like, constant worry of these, like, you know, whatever. Right. So, yes. Yeah. And then, but, but, but one would say you were anxious at that time. I was. For whatever reason. So I wonder... And you're so, probably shooting out a bunch of something. You know, there's something, like, something oh, triggers it, and then you shoot it out, and then it keeps the brain and the whole body kind of yeah. in that cycle a little bit, and then you had to figure out a way to kind of stop it. Yeah. Or put a little, or shoot something else out, yeah. you know, that sort of balanced it. Uh-huh. I mean, I became an agoraphobic yes. after I had my daughter, my first child. Yes. And that was unusual for me because I was Can you tell of, them what that means? I wouldn't have known unless you told me. An agoraphobic means I was afraid to leave my house. Mm-hmm. So it lasted for about a year. Um, and you could say that might have been caused by the changes in hormones mm-hmm. did something to the brain chemistry, mm-hmm. and it created this sort of vicious, it was a very unrealistic anxiety, too. Like, when yeah. I tell it now, it's like, uh-oh, what's your problem? <laughs> but again, that's the stigma. It's unrealistic, yeah. That's the stigma, yeah. right? Because it doesn't, I can't make sense of it. Uh-huh. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Uh-huh. Because in physical illness, I can say, like, yeah, your kidney's pretty bad. Right. Like, I can see it. Right. But sometimes with mental stuff, we can't, I can't even measure it. Like, it's more like, I feel this way, and someone's like, uh-oh, that's kind of odd. Right. So mine was, I had this intense fear of fainting in public. Oh, so that means you're afraid to leave the house. Yes. Because you thought you might faint in public. I might, and who cares? Hello, everybody. <laughs> like, part of me now looks yeah. back. I'm like, what does it matter if I faint in public? Right. 
but it became a complete phobia. Yes, sure. I cannot faint in public. So what would happen? I'd go out, and right away I'm like, I'm, I'm going to faint. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think it was triggered. This is interesting because I always look back at the trigger. Um, after I had my daughter, I developed sort of low blood sugar problems, which I hadn't had before. Uh-huh. I could, you know, not eat for a long time. Because yeah, you used to starve yourself. used to starve myself. I was an anorexic. But um, you got a lot going on. Lady. Got a lot going on there. <laughs> but my body fixed that for me in a strange way. So I had my daughter, and then I had my first episode where I got low blood sugar. And we were out, I remember, and suddenly I'm like, uh-oh, I'm going to mm-hmm. faint. Mm-hmm. And we had to order food right away. Mm-hmm. And it was very upsetting to me to feel kind of out of control. And people, everyone kind of helping. Helps you. Like, you. You don't like that. And they're either. all noticing me. Like, yes. don't notice me. Yeah. Like, let's just go around or just give me a hot dog, okay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a hot dog. <laughs> just somebody get this woman a hot give dog. Give me a hot dog. I'll be fine. Um, so that's how it got triggered. And then it got anchored okay. somewhere in there. Yeah. And then it was like, this is what's going to happen. Yes. And then I couldn't go, and then I, it, it's, the anxiety slowly became more and more powerful. Yes. So first it was like, well, I just can't you know, maybe go out with friends. Uh-huh. Maybe that's when it will happen. But then it got, eventually became where I couldn't even go to the grocery store. And my husband was so good. He was like, but there's tons of food in the grocery store. <laughs> like, you could just grab it grab and eat off it. Grab the, off the shelf. And yeah. I'm like, no, I can't, it won't work. And, uh. So I became agoraphobic. I couldn't leave the house. Mm-hmm. I tried medication during that time. For what? For anxiety. Anxiety. Trying to tone it down. Um, but of course, when you take medication, sometimes you don't feel good either because it doesn't feel like you. Oh, sure. For me, I'm like, who is this? Now I'm kind of okay. like, my, my, Bernie. You know, everything oh, was sure. kind of slow. Um, and I still kind of felt anxious, too. But eventually I tried a practical, and I think actually my hormones probably leveled out. Leveled out. About a year later. A lot. Like I wish we'd spend more time in our medical profession researching that type of stuff. Sure. Because within a year, it started to level out. And I did this thing where, okay, so I'm afraid of fainting because of lack of food. So I would just bring food everywhere. Yeah. I would have food just stuffed in my pockets. You still do. I still do have food. Not as much, but I still do. You do. Then yeah. I, and it's usually sugary. It's usually sugary food, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I kind of learned, like, you got to have your sugar with you just in case. Just in case. And then eventually my I sort of t- taught my anxiety because we had a dialogue. Uh-huh. What do you need? What's going on? I wish uh-huh. I had some food. You got food right here. You got you got a loaf of bread in one pocket. A loaf of bread in a pocket? I used to bring a loaf of bread. How did it fit in And a pocket? jar of peanut butter in my other pocket. In your pocket, I had big coats on or sweaters. <laughs> Is that mental illness? <laughs> Why are you... <laughs> oh my god! I have a great story. That's hilarious. <laughs> I traveled with a friend. It was like my first time traveling. <laughs> she thinks it's really funny. traveling with a friend after this whole agoraphobic episode my friend peggy if you listening peggy in your pocket so we go to canada to buy horses at the time we're like looking we're into riding horses professionally and she tells this great story she's like you know i knew it was strange 
when we went to a restaurant and then as we're waiting in the lobby, you pull out a jar of peanut butter and some bread and you start making a sandwich before we go eat dinner. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. But you know, but it, it helped you. It was like I wanted, it gave me a logical yes. way. Yeah. Like, here you go, body. Anxiety? Look, it's taken care of. Yes. Right. Right. I had another client, this is another good story about anxiety. He was a he was a professional skier, skied all his life, mm-hmm. and suddenly he got terrified of the chairlift. Oh wow. Suddenly terrified. Oh. And I'm like, what and there was no trigger? I think I don't think there was a trigger. It just developed. He just Whoa. he just developed this intense fear of the chairlift, which was problematic for a professional skier. Yeah. So I was I'll like, say. well, what can we do? And I'm like, what if you carried a rope? Oh. Oh, smart. And you can just you just carry it in your backpack yeah. or whatever. And he was like, a rope. And then he came back a few months later. He's like, yeah, I carry my rope everywhere. And it, it I can get off. If I have to get off, I can uh-huh. get off that chairlift. Yeah. And so he then he could go back to skiing. Wow. How interesting. Yeah. It was like, well, there's a nice. job detective. How about a rope? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Then he could ski again. Yeah. Man, anxiety, I mean, yeah, like I said, I haven't, I haven't felt um, depression, but the anxiety, it sucks. Oh, yeah. And depression, too, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, God, yeah. Or yeah. whatever, any of the of the mental illnesses. Or, and, I mean, know, even going up to, like, schizophrenia, I mean, there's... The psychoses yeah. are huge. Oh, my gosh, I just feel so sorry for those people. Yes, it is. Ooh. It's a it's a it's a long journey. Some of our most creative people uh-huh. are dealing with that those types of mental illness. So, um, one uh, one thing I was thinking about, um, why why do you think it is that artists may suffer? Um, I don't want to say more, but a lot of artists have some degree of mental illness or darkness or something but then again it goes back to my question is it like is this darkness or is it like a chemical like maybe it doesn't matter maybe Maybe it doesn't matter maybe it just doesn't matter it doesn't matter I guess for me it's like is the treatment medicine or is the treatment something else really isn't it based on the individual yeah so we would be like you know Kaylee for you let's try this first try it yeah let's try let's try exercise let's try diet let's try meditation but do you think that there are enough people and i guess this goes back to my question are most people more likely to just start with the drugs or are more people likely to start with other um other options well i think this is where you 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 pick your doctors and your caregivers carefully Uh and they match you in terms of what you think would work for you Uh Because ultimately, you're the expert on you, you know? Yes. You kind of know what you want or maybe what you want to try. What you want to try. Yeah. And that's okay. But I think, and we were mentioning this yesterday when we were, we were just kind of talking about this, um, you're just such a huge pro- proponent for um, advocating for yourself in in the medical world. And yes. in the, even in the, you know, the health world in general, mental health or physical mm-hmm. health, mm-hmm. you always, always, always are talking about like the personal advocacy as a patient. Yes. And you are the consumer. Let none of us forget that. We are the consumers of these doctors mm-hmm. and these psychiatrists and psychologists and counselors. Mm-hmm. So make sure you have every right. If you work with someone and you're like, I do not like that person mm-hmm. or that did not feel good. 
I just don't feel maybe just a rapport with that person. That is fine. Go find someone else. It's kind of like I say, it's kind of like buying spaghetti sauce at the <laughs> store. <laughs> and you know, maybe <laughs> spaghetti sauce at the store. <laughs> Everyone's like, what is that? <laughs> so and you might have like your, your favorite spaghetti sauce at the store, right? But you've probably tried a few of them. You're like, well, I tried this one, that brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a little too spicy. This one was too sweet. <laughs> that one's a bit salty. And eventually you find the spaghetti sauce where you're like, yes. Uh-huh. It's like Goldilocks and the three gets bears. Me. This, this <laughs> sauce gets me. This is the same with our caregivers. As long as they're like in our network, though. As long as they're in our network. That's right. <laughs> unfortunately. Know, unfortunately, given the insurance to, uh, stuff. To the circumstances. Exactly. However, yeah, I think that's, I think it's such a good point. I think we have placed so, we have given so much of our personal power away to the medical industry. We always think that the physician or the healthcare provider is the expert, but we also need to kind of uh, remember that we are the expert on us. And as you said, we're the, we're the customer, we're the client. And it's okay to demand things or to ask for things. Like, I've demanded tests yes. that my doctor said, no, 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 we don't need to do that. I'm like, no, 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 actually, we do need to do this. Actually, I demanded, I like, with my first pregnancy, I had tons of blood clots, and I demanded to get tested for clotting disorders. Mm-hmm. And the doctors were like, no, 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 it was just a fluke. You had placental abruption. It's just a fluke. And I was like, I need to be tested. And I found out that I have a blood clotting disorder. Now I have to take baby aspirin every single time I'm pregnant again, which is very good to know. Yes. Which I would not have known. Because that would have been problematic. Yes, in consecutive pregnancies. Yes. And then my sister just got tested. She has the same disorder. And her doctor, I think it was, was like, well, make sure that you tell all of your daughters that they need to get tested yeah, for this too. It's probably genetic, right? Yeah, it's probably. Because it's probably genetic. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, I had to advocate for that. Like, uh, they said no they to said the no. test. And I said, yes, I want this test. Yes. But it's like you have to, I think you you really do have to almost demand which course you want to take. Yes. And then if Or if you don't, is, if your doctor's not receptive, then change Change doctors. your doctor. If you can, then change doctors. There's all this research. If you have rapport with your doctor, you will get better quicker. Mm-hmm. If you don't like your doctor, mm-hmm. it's probably not going to work as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, there's all about that. You have to like your dog. Oh, that's so it's interesting. Really, if you don't like him, part of it's like, I don't really trust Your body's him. like rejecting I him. don't trust what you're giving her. me. Yeah. Totally. Sandra, whatever. Yeah. I have a great story about medicine. I learned this the hard way because, of course, I suffered from anxiety after Joe was born. Mm-hmm. I had my heart tested and there, because my heart rate was always elevated. Yeah, sure. And, uh, and they were like, oh, yeah, your heart rate is just, you have tachycardia. It's always kind of racing. Uh-huh. It's a type of tachycardia. I can't remember. And um, so I see a heart dog, and he's like, we're going to put you on this medicine, and it's going to make your heart rate just average, just normal, just go okay. bump, bump. Even if you're nervous, it's just going to keep it okay. steady. I'm like, okay, great. Uh-huh. We go home. I start the medication. It's like maybe the third or fourth day on medication, and I'm lying on the floor watching TV, and my husband's next to me, and I go over to him, and I'm like, Uh-oh. my heart Uh-oh. is way faster than it's ever oh, no. been. And he's an EMT, so yeah. he, t- he gets my pulse. It's 220. <gasps> 220? And I'm resting, watching TV. Oh, my God. So he calls the emergency room. 
they put him in touch with the doctor, my heart doctor, and and I say to my husband, I'm like, I think it's this medication. I, yeah. I feel like my yeah. I have no control over it. Mm-hmm. And the heart doctor says to my husband, that is not possible. You need to bring her in, and we're going to give her an IV full of it. <gasps> no. It would have killed you. It would have killed me. And I didn't go in. I said, I'm not going in. I stopped the medication. I still have rapid heartbeat, but it's just my own rapid heartbeat. Uh-huh. And then we found out a year later, one, this is a new medication, one in every hundred patients that was given that medication had a heart attack. Oh my God. So I learned the hard way. Yeah. So I listened to my gut that said, yeah, no, yeah, you are not killing me today. Oh. And even though he thought he was doing the right thing, because with most yeah. patients, that medication works great. 99% of people works are good. Awesome. Sure. But anyway, that's how we learn things. We listen. We build rapport. We find doctors and therapists, therapists. that we have rapport with. Mm-hmm. And that'll help us in our physical and our mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, I'm, I'm um, close with someone who just basically always has just never been that happy even as a kid just like not that happy and she's tried so many things Mm -hmm. and has had this like man why can't I just be happy started antidepressants maybe a couple weeks to a month ago now feels amazing oh so much better so much better but it's like she tried so hard to be like I there must be something wrong that I can fix and all with power enough, through it with enough with enough like mm-hmm. um like self-care and with enough like I'm um, really doing the personal work and like you know all this diving stuff. in I'm yeah diving into it and figuring out like I I'm I'm gonna get myself better yeah but she just couldn't she just wasn't she just didn't get better yeah and that's like that left-handed analogy yeah it's just like she was telling herself i i bet i could be right-handed i bet yeah i I, I can do it i i could make myself right-handed yeah totally and she but she just needed the medicine yeah she just left-handed that's okay we don't mind left-handed or right-handed people anymore we're like that's fine you're left-handed i'm right-handed yeah absolutely and the world keeps going yeah it is interesting to think about like um from the mind-body perspective um like I, yeah, I think about my experience when I was kind of in the 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 uh, the worst part of my anxiety, and like for those of you who are UL instructors or, or who knew me a while back um, or have, who have seen the videos, like that's when I was like so wiry, my body. Oh yeah, and you can point. almost see the anxiety. You, you almost look like it in your face, in your jaw, almost. Yeah, and like everything about me just didn't look very like relaxed or happy you know it's like everything was just like you could tell I like I was in kind of a state of like flight uh flight I was like kind of constantly in a state of flight and my body really like I couldn't drink any coffee I could not drink coffee oh yeah and for anyone who knows me like I love coffee Mm -hmm. I couldn't drink it like I had to be very very careful about stimulants yeah like I it was it was really it was really interesting. That's anxiety. You know, but, but but you see the effect that it has on the physical body, too. Yes, right. And that's why I think um, having a breathing um, practice or or just finding ways to let your body really slow down and to calm down the nervous system, not that it can take entirely the anxiety away, but in my personal experience, it's been super helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever I'm kind of like... 
um, just just stopping, slowing down, and just focusing on my breath, taking a few really nice deep breaths, and it does it. It, it affects your nervous system. It affects. Uh, I think even the brain. Oh yeah, it does. They do, they can do measures. Yeah, they yeah. can measure, and it happens really pretty fast. And for my um, for Huxley, like when she's you know really worked up about something, or when she's crying, where it's like they can't catch their breath, like we just always like you know in a calm voice say, Huxley, you need to take deep breaths, and then she can start to calm her body down, mm -hmm. and then and then it calms her mind down, and yeah. she can kind of come back to this that state kind of, of balance with the breath. I mean, I think breath work is one of the greatest uh self tools that we can use to mm -hmm. help slow some of that stuff down again i i, I don't think it can cure every, it's but it's it's nice for us to have our little toolbox yes of things that we know are going to help getting out in nature really helps me as well mm -hmm. when i'm feeling when i'm feeling anxious it's because i don't feel grounded mm -hmm. there's like i feel like this like what exactly what you just said about me it was like you i, I was like in this state of flight flight and so what i needed to really do was figure out how to ground mm -hmm. you don't have to fly today yeah like just getting out in nature like going for a hike doing yeah. being part of the earth yes feet on the earth uh-huh yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah so i think having our tools Yes, and always using them, whether we do have significant mental illness or not. Mm -hmm. You know, even with my father, he developed a very serious meditation practice, even yeah. with his antidepressants. Mm -hmm. All of that and his exercise changed and his diet changed. Mm -hmm. And all of that played a part in, in, in his healing process yeah. so that he could be participate in normal in life. His life. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. And enjoy it. And enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. And not be like dreading the morning. I can't get out of bed. Dreading the morning. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's such a complex topic, but I think if we, if we aren't feeling good, we, we need to start exploring ways to feel better. And whether, whether it's medication or whether it is, you know, tools or, or changes that you need to make in your own life, I don't think it really matters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, but it just taking action and to not have the shame yes. attached to the feelings that you have. Yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's really important. I mean, no one should have to live in a state of um, constant like flight or constant just like uh, dread. cloudiness or dread you know, just and dread and yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. Ugh, today no yeah there's and so much to live for that it's it's you know, I don't know it's just so so sad to think that there are so many people who. Who feel ashamed to get the help. Yeah, and even when they get the help, then it's hard to just reach past it and say, mm -hmm. maybe it's not working right now oh, sure. in this way. And that's yeah. okay, too. It's mm -hmm. okay. And, you know, I hope you guys can continue this discussion um, on our Facebook page or however. You know, we love to hear from you and love to hear everyone's different viewpoints in terms of what they've experienced. Yeah, just personal experiences. Because it's so helpful to all of us oh, yeah. to know we're not alone in our own journeys. Well, and so many times, um, so many times I think they're just not understanding or ignorance is what separates us. Ignorance is what um, makes us judge one another. Mm -hmm. It's Yes. It, education and an understanding and then compassion is what unites us regardless of 
who we are or where we from or where where we from where we from where we from where are you where from where we from i mean there's so many issues that i think we're experiencing as a society because we feel different yeah. from other people yeah. and we're classifying people as different and so when we can understand everybody is struggling with something everybody is going through something and when we when we have more of an awareness and understanding mm-hmm. it's so much easier to have compassion to be able to relate to be able to then help ourselves because mm-hmm. we feel we're not alone in situations i mean just just really um just I, I I'm just really grateful whenever you guys share, even when it does feel vulnerable. And and thank you to to people who already share. Like you've you've referenced one of our amazing um, participants and friends, mm-hmm. and it's those types of stories are are hard to share. They are, yeah. But they are what's going to to change the way I feel like we view all of this. Mm-hmm. I agree. I totally agree. So love you guys. Uh, yeah. Thanks for helping educate me as well. Yeah, and thanks you guys for asking for this topic and yeah. and letting us uh, bring it to the light and just have a discussion about it. Yeah, thank you as thank always. You. Love you guys. Bye.